Blog Talk Radio. Thing and uh, you know, just a happy dude. 
Kane. <laughs> that sounds good. I like that. I like to hear that. All right, sir. Bruce, this is uh, JB of Pure Gold. It's an uh, a honor and a pleasure to be speaking with you, sir. How are you? Hey, you know what? If you guys keep calling me sir, I'm going to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Bruce, let me, let me ask you. Um, tell us what it was like to play in the NFL, and do you think it was harder to play in your era or nowadays, now that they've, you know, they have a lot of rules that protect the players. Do you think it was harder to play back then, or is it harder to play now? Well, you know, the rules, they they didn't have, like you said, as many rules as far as protecting the quarterback and spearing and all those things. Uh, And to be honest with you, I think, uh, you know, it was a lot tougher in that regard when I was playing and even before I was playing. I mean, there were some really dirty players back then, and they got away with it, you know. But the difference is that now – the guys are so much bigger and stronger, you know, and faster. And when they hit you, they hit you. And um, so I think either era, you know, anytime you get out there and play, especially on the professional level, I think it's a very physical and and uh, not to be taken lightly kind of kind of event. Now, now okay. you play for now you play for about seven years, Bruce, um, seven solid years. Now, do you think that? Um, you know, as these athletes get stronger and, you know, play more physical, obviously, do you think that the, the uh, I don't know how to phrase it then, saying that the lifespan of a running back is about four to five good years and then they start to decline? Yeah, well, the average uh, uh, career is about four years anyway. At least that's what it used to be. And uh, for a running back, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit less than that. I'm not really sure. But, uh the, the funny thing, it really is kind of funny because the, the knowledge, you know, the technology in the weight room, the, the supplements, the, the, the uh, you know, just the knowledge and how to recover from injuries and, and the equipment, it, it just helps so much with these guys, you know. I mean, right. when I was playing, if you get a pulled hamstring, you know, you're out two weeks. But nowadays, they get these guys in a treatment and, they know how to make it get better very fast. So, uh, you know, I don't know. The life expectancy, I don't know what the average is now. But either way, like I said before, it's a very physical game. And, you know, when you play games, even if you win, you, right. you lose something. You know what I mean? Like, uh, right. you know, you don't walk away from that game uh, unscathed. Definitely. Bruce, I have a question for you. Um being that you were born in New Jersey and uh, you live in New Jersey, obviously, and you played your your whole career with the the New Jersey uh, franchise, the New York Jets, uh, what was that like? Did you grow up as a Jets fan, and you know how did it feel to play in, in your home your home state, basically? Well, I, I really mean it too. I didn't have a favorite team, Jets, Giants, anybody else. I did not have a favorite team. I would watch football and uh, just totally fascinated by it. I mean. In retrospect, I was studying the guy that had the football. I didn't even realize it, but uh, I, w- I just I just loved the game. I loved the game. I was playing always, in, you know, in the parks and and this and that and that. And so, you know, it was just something I wanted to do. Um, I didn't have a favorite team, and um, so I started playing organized football in high school, then college, and I was very fortunate. I got an opportunity to play f- uh, on the professional level. Because uh, 
Walt Michaels, who was the head coach then when I played, his son was at Kutztown State College, where I where I was when I uh, played my college. And I asked him to call his dad up and get me a tryout, and he did, and I made the team. <laughs> it's oh, wow. Yep. Now, I forgot what the original question was. <laughs> See, hey, guys, question was hey, guys, listen. Hey, listen. <laughs> See, that's the result of playing for eight years. I played eight years in the season. That's that's the end result when you can't remember stuff. That see that's what happens. <laughs> well, that would explain why JB and myself have such good memories since we never played pro football. Uh, the original <laughs> question was, what was it like? And you you said that you you didn't um, you didn't have a favorite team growing up, but what was it like playing for a hometown team, playing with the Jets, and being from New Jersey? Well, it was really good because I had so many friends and family members come out to the games and. You know, they had come to my college games and, of course, high school games, but it was really great that they could see that part and share that part of it with me as well. And to play professional football, like I said, it really, really was a dream come true. I always appreciated it. I never, you know, wanted to act like a jerk. You know, I was always concerned about what people thought about me, so I try to, you know, be cordial in, in all situations and stuff. So, uh, it was it was really a dream come true, and I remember the first day I went out onto the field in the in the Meadowlands. It was a, a preseason game, and I took the time to really soak it in. I looked around. It was even yeah. before all the fans got there, and I looked. There were all empty seats. I got there so early, nobody was there, you know, and uh, yeah. and I, I was just totally floored by the number of uh, seats. I said. You know, in a little bit, they're going to be people in all these seats watching me play football. So, it was a, it was fun. It was very very much fun. A great experience. I must say though, um, when you're in the midst of it all, like when you have to block that linebacker or when you have to, you know, run a route, you're so focused on what you're doing that you don't really pay attention to the crowd or you don't you you know that's the only thing you're focused in on. And um, so you kind of you got to stay focused on that stuff, or else you're not going to be able to perform. Now, Bruce, I, I became a fan because of my dad, and usually, you know, uh, sons become fans of their father's team for the most part. So I came on board. I came on board as a Jet fan, you know, with Kenny Kenny O'Brien, Free Free, McMahon, Free McNeil, sorry, Al Toon, uh So those guys. Uh, but let me let me ask you about probably the biggest Jet fan or the biggest icon, which we consider the biggest Jet fan, Fireman Ed. Uh, he wears your jersey at, at all the home games. Do you know why he wears it? I pay him. I pay him a lot of money. <laughs> I wear your jersey. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm not even a Jet fan. I wear it. <laughs> You guys are easy, man. You guys are easy. No. Um, well, I, I know I was uh, one of his favorite players, and, uh, you know, that was a great compliment. I didn't even know him when I was playing. I didn't I didn't know there was someone in the stands, you know, cheering for me like that. And So yeah. it was great. Uh, so when I was playing, yeah, he I was one of his favorite players. And then I had the occasion once when we were uh, former players were out on the football field. Uh, Joe Namath was there, Klecko, myself, Freeman, you know, all of us guys. And uh, I got a ball autographed with all those signatures on it, and uh, I took it over to, to Fireman Ed when we were out on the field. And he said at that moment, he said, I'm never going to change your jersey. You know, he was so grateful. <laughs> wow. He's a huge Jet fan, and, you know, so – 
You said, I'm never going to change. I'm never going to change your jersey, you know. So it's a great honor. It is. It is. It's, uh, my kids can't believe it. I can't believe it after all these years. You know, he hasn't changed up, but uh, it's a great honor. Well, Bruce, I, I'm, I think I'm going to go out there and buy myself a Bruce Harper jersey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as long as you... Yeah, as long as you pay for it, I, I don't have to pay for it, do I? No, you don't. You definitely don't have to pay for it. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, Bruce, I'm I'm a Giants fan, but you could pay for my jersey if you want me to wear it, and I'll wear it proudly. I, I have a I have a question in reference to the jersey. Um, is there any specific reason why you wear the number forty two? No, well, you know, I came from Kutztown State, like I said. No one really expected me to make it. You know, the little guy and all this and that and that. So, I basically took the number that they gave me, and I, you know, okay. I, just, I had to make it my own. I wore 22 in high school and uh, 44 in college, so it was kind of like a, a mix of the two two uh, time periods in my life. And so I wore number 42, but later on I was very much conscious of the fact that it was Jackie Robinson's number and, you know, the first black man to play in the uh, in the majors, I guess, something like that the legend. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, I was just really, really happy about that, and I wore it with pride, and, uh, you know, it became a magical number for me. Okay, yeah, I um, I thought maybe that was why you picked it. Yeah, I figured maybe you picked it uh, for historical purposes or whatever the case, considering that Jackie Robinson, you know, just maybe, what, 20 years earlier had uh, broken the color barrier in baseball. But, uh, you know, it's funny you said it because Joe and I were discussing this off the air, and the first thing he said was, wait, wait maybe it's not Jackie Robinson. You know, let's wait and see what he says first. But uh, that's you know, interesting, and it's cool that, you know, you were able to, you know, as an African-American, able to wear that number also. Like now in baseball, nobody can wear it. It's just uh, grandfathered in. So basically Mariano Rivera is the last living player who has the number, and nobody else can wear it. So, you know, it's pretty cool that, Fireman and wears it, and it symbolizes so much to the you know the African American community, and of course to yeah. Bruce Harper himself. It really does. It really does. <clears throat> and like I said, you know, my whole career, my whole experience was so great, and I can't believe again that you know after so many years he wears my jersey, and I really do feel honored uh, by that. You know, I mean, yeah. Fireman Ed get, gets crazy. He's a true fan too, but uh, he gets crazy. But I'm not ashamed of him. He's my man, and you know, like I said, I'm proud that he he's wearing my jersey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It must be an honor. Uh, let me ask you this question. Who would you say is the best player that you ever played with and played against in your in your career with the Jets? You mean after me? No, no. Um, <laughs> yes. during, during the time that you played, who, who would I you say is the best me, player? That... After me, after oh. me. You didn't get the joke. You didn't get the joke. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh. That one went oh. over my head. Right over your head. <laughs> Help him out. Damn Giant fans. You know, <laughs> you know what? It really is unfair to to try to single it. You know, to one person. It really is because there were so many great players and and uh, different positions. You know what I mean? And and it's it's just unfair. That's an unrealistic uh, question. But I will say uh, Lawrence Taylor first that he was uh, he was the greatest linebacker I ever played against. Yeah. Um, he was great. Joe Klecko, my old teammate, he's the greatest uh, uh, lineman, defensive lineman I ever played with, you know. Uh, you know, my favorite, my all-time favorite wide receiver was Wesley Walker. Uh, he's my friend. Okay. 
uh, Freeman. They, there were so many great people, man. And uh, I, I also Tony Dorsett. He was one of my favorites because he was similar to me, you know, a little guy real quick, this and that and that. And uh, he was great. He was great. But Walter Payton, you know, you look at these guys, Gale Sayers, man, oh, man. There were so many great ball players. You, you you can't single it out. You can't you can't say just one. Okay, yeah, that's uh, you know I, I can understand that. Well, we had Keith Elias on. Keith had quite a few players that he mentioned who were his, uh, you know, favorites or the people that you know influenced him the most and whatnot. And you know he had mentioned Marshall Falk and even Peyton Manning at the beginning of his career. But uh, mm-hmm. you know it's interesting that this you played against so many great legendary you know Hall of Fame uh, players. But you know, actually. Let's uh, let's take a little uh, pause from this for a second because we actually have a caller on the line and, and someone who I know for a fact is a huge Jets fan. And when he heard that you were going to be on the air, he actually paid us so that we could uh, let him in, you know, in, in the midst of the conversation. So we have Mr. Todd joining us today. Todd, how are you doing, sir? How you doing, guys? This Bring is not Richard one. Todd, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no. It's uh, you know, uh, this this is one of our uh, special guests on the air with uh, with Pure Gold, and he's a huge Jets fan. So, Todd, take it away. I I am incredibly honored to be talking to you tonight, Bruce. Uh, just like with JB, uh, I come from the the era of, you know, the end of Richard Todd going into Ken O'Brien. My mm-hmm. father took me to my first Jet game in the Meadowlands in 1984 on a typical cold, windy day in late December, sitting in the very last row of the stands up in the upper section. And uh, that very first time being in that stadium and seeing that uniform and just feeling that vibe in the crowd, I was hooked ever since then. And I've just been a huge Jet fan, and it is an honor to talk to you. So I I was just curious, being like – the new, being that you are the New York Jets all-time leading kick returner, when you see guys on the Jets, you know, uh, guys like uh, when Justin Miller and Leon Washington played, and even as currently as like Brad Smith, I mean, do you pay closer attention to these guys because they are so talented? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like when I was a kid, you know, I was fascinated by – by the punt returner, kick returner, the running back, the receivers. You know, I was always fascinated, and having played that position now, you know, post-career, it's only natural that I look back and and watch these guys. I tell you what, Leon Washington, he was phenomenal. Um, He's still doing great, even though he um, suffered that knee injury or that leg injury, and and I can't believe he has come back the way he has to still be, be so effective out in Seattle. So he was uh he was he was uh my kind of favorite return man, I guess because he kinda of reminded me of myself and you know, I just admired <laughs> him for I, I guess just I, I just admired him for for what he was able to do. You know, these guys are really, really gifted and I think uh if it was like it it used to be where players would stay on one team, you know, a little longer, I believe he would have uh he, he would have broken any records that I had, you know. Well, Brad Smith is a little bit different. Brad Smith is he's a tall, lean, kind of deceiving speed kind of guy. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really surprised at what he's been able to do. He does a great job, though. Well, let me ask you this, then. Do you want to see your record broken? You know what? I, I've had so much fun. I've done so many things. You know, 
it's okay. It's okay, man. You know, it really, it really is okay. It's been so many years. And incidentally, Leon Washington broke my record uh, for a uh, single season, all-purpose yards. But I got to tell you, he broke it with uh, by just a few yards, maybe less than 100, and he did it in 16 games. I did mine in 14 mm-hmm. games. So I'm, You'll I'm always still have the, that over. I'm, I'm still the man. I'm still the man. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. Thanks a lot, but, Bruce. I really, uh, I'm honored to talk to you tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Right, folks, that I was the one be, and only Todd. Good, JB. I was just going to say, uh, Bruce, he didn't call you sir, so I guess he's one of your friends. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it's supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> yeah, Bruce. You mentioned Brad Smith, so let me ask you this question. Speaking about him, how important do you think it is to have someone like him, uh, you know, on your team? And of course, the the fact that they uh, even just in the process of, of getting getting to re-sign him. How important do you think uh, Brad Smith is for the Jets? Somebody like that. Well, anytime you 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 have a great return uh, returner on your team, it's going to affect the field position, and that's what you want. You know, that when you get the ball, it's better to start on the forty-yard line than it is to, you know, start at the 10 or the, you know, whatever it might be. So field position makes a big difference, and he he always he seems to get a little extra yardage, you know, and he and he puts the team in a, in a good position to score. So yeah, yeah. it's important. He is important. Folks, we're talking to Bruce Harper here on Pure Gold, former New York Jet. Now, Bruce, turning our attention to the New York Jets, the current New York Jets, uh, besides – uh, I think the obvious a pass rusher that they desperately need. What do you think this team also needs to get over the hump and win a Super Bowl? Because I'm tired of going to the AFC title game and losing the last couple of years. Man, it was supposed to happen this year, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> well, it was supposed to happen. I, I'm so very disappointed, you know. I don't know what happened that first half. If we had played just a little bit better, you know, we would have we would have gone on to the Super Bowl. But... Um, what's it going to take? Uh, you know, this yeah. year I don't think the team was really missing anything. You know, you, you think about uh, the quarterback being so young and this and that and that, but he played mature. He, he he has grown up in two years, so you can't put it on him, you know. He's, uh, everything winning and losing is a team effort. And this team, you have a bunch of veterans on the team, and they were playing great. They played well together. And it, there's, I don't know what happened. I mean, I don't think you can get much better than what it was this year. I mean, they had the horses and everything else. They had the momentum. They had the coach. You know, everybody was doing great. And in my opinion, they were supposed to win it. And now the sad thing is that when you get that close, you got to make it happen because you don't know what's going to happen the next season. You know, there's a threat of a lockout, uh, guys getting traded. You know, it's already it's already started. You know, Jenkins is not here anymore, but you know he wasn't playing that much this season anyway. But you know, it's just they they weren't missing anything in my opinion. They had it all. They had it all, and they did everything but win uh, the first half of that last game. Well, I have to say that what they were missing was Bruce Harper on the field. You know, if they had you on the the field, man, they would have won that game. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, I, I like to think that's true, yeah. <laughs> now, now, Bruce, uh, you know, as a running back, let me ask you this question. Uh, it looks like the Jets may keep LaDainian Tomlinson on the team. 
How important is it to make, I think, Sean Green your feature back and let him be the one that carries the load this year so that LT doesn't get tired, you know, by week eight? Would you say he got tired by week eight last year? Um, Maybe not. Maybe week 12. <laughs> I, I love I love uh, LaDainian Thomas. He does a great job. He's a leader, man. He goes out, he inspires people to play hard because he's giving his best. I think he was great. And um, Sean Green couldn't have played alongside of a better person, you know, to, to hand the rein over to him. Um, I think in time, maybe this year coming, Sean Green is really going to come through and and uh, be a uh, you know a good a great player. So um, it's just a matter of maturing. That's all. Sean yeah. Sean will get it. And Leon, I mean uh, Ladainly, I think he should stay another year. I I agree with you. I think he'd be a great mentor for Sean Green. Um, let me just also ask you this: uh, being a former NFL player, just give us your take. I think they extended the. The deadline. I mean, it looks like it's going to yeah, go past. Tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to go past tomorrow. I think they extend another 24 hours. Right. It was set to expire on Friday. And then, like, um, I'm going to just quote you some things that I actually wrote down. We have billionaire owners fighting with millionaire players over money that the fans will never ever get to see. That kind of money. But give us your take on the current state of the NFL in general, and what do you think about this whole collective bargaining agreement? Well, you know, there's certain. Certain things you have to you have to protect, especially. I mean, being a former player, you know, there's no reason we can't get the coverage we need. You know, there's no reason for that. Uh, you know, the, the owners back when we were playing, they were making so much money, a, a percentage of it. I have no idea. Uh, I guess the players may just say 25% of all of the money that was being made, and it's only right that in an industry that uh, that generates the kind of money. You know, uh, it's only right that the players who are out there making it happen, they're entitled to it. So I don't think there's anything to be uh, squabbling about as far as uh, the percentage of the money that that the that, that the players are being paid. You know, all um, right. I, you know, I don't know all the details about the the collective bargaining agreement. I, I, I'm not really up on everything, but I do know that. Both team, both the owners and the players are going to lose if they don't play the season. Nobody comes out a winner, and they need to go ahead and settle their differences, get back to work and make a living, you know, and entertain us the way they should. I, I totally agree with you, Bruce. I mean, because when, you know, the fans that are making, you know, on average like forty to $50,000 and you have players and owners uh, arguing over millions, it, you know, it's a no-win situation if they don't get to play the season. But um, the one thing uh, the one thing I want to say is that I am more on the player side for this reason. I think the NFL is one of the is probably the only sport that I can think of that doesn't have guaranteed contracts and you mm-hmm. always hear the you know you always hear about a player getting hurt and he then loses his his, his contract. Now, right. do you think that's one thing that the uh the players should really fight for is guaranteed contracts? Um uh I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it would be great to have guaranteed contracts. Uh, you know, I don't really know. <laughs> uh, that would be great. You know, that would be ideal and everything. Of course, you know, for a little security. But I, I don't know all the issues and stuff. So, you know, it, yeah, that okay. would be great, I guess. But I couldn't really answer that in comparison to anything else they're fighting for. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Um, 
Bruce, if we can turn our attention from the NFL to what you do off the field, which also ties in. Um, tell us about Heroes and Cool Kids. You know, as I mentioned to you off the air, uh, we had Keith Elias, who is obviously a part of your organization, but, you know, you're the man. We, we mentioned it before. You are the man with the plan, and you started it. What exactly led you to start this organization that does so many wonderful things for the community? Well, yes, I am very proud of what we've been able to accomplish in the 14 years we've been in existence. Um, I, I must say that I actually worked in a program very similar to this, and um, I wanted them as on Long Island, and I wanted them to bring it to, to New Jersey, and they were not interested. And, you know, I had been saying to them, you know, for a couple of years, and uh, so I said, okay, well, then, you know, I'm going to make it happen over in New Jersey. So I took uh, the basic game plan, and I, you know, tweaked it, made it my own, and, uh, you know, there comes Heroes and Cool Kids. So we've been doing great. We've been really doing great. We were the Bergen County Program of the Year uh, last year. We work with, like, 17,000 students, and, uh, you know, we hear all kinds of testimonials from the students coming back and saying how we changed their lives and, you know, people go, uh, we had one guy over in Iraq, he wrote a letter back saying how he learned his leadership skills through heroes, uh, you know, just so many, so, so many uh, stories and testimonials, and it, and it just reassures us that we're doing the right thing. You know, I know we're doing the right thing, and we're, as Keith Elias always says, we really are changing the world, you know, with the students that we have working with us. Also, I might mention that, um, Hmm, I don't know if I should mention it, but Miles Austin, Miles Austin was one of our heroes and cool kids for two years, and um, oh wow, you know he's a great great kid, and and um, you know he, he I think he'll be a great player, go down in history as a great player, and uh, also uh, Castillo, uh, Castillo from the San Diego Chargers. He yeah, was, the he kid was, who grew up in Garfield, right? Yeah, yeah, both of those guys okay. grew up in Garfield, and and he was wow. uh, he was a part of it as well, part of Heroes and Cool Kids. So it really uh, is the that, best thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. You know, my career that was fun, that was for me and my family. But this, you know, we're affecting a lot of lives. We really are. So I I say that this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Well, you mean after appearing on the show, right? Yeah, well, this is first now. It has has overtaken, you know, it's stepped up, you know, a little bit. So you guys are great. It's really my pleasure. I feel honored. I mean, I want to get you guys autographed. Um, I wonder if you can come and talk in my school. I, you know, just everything. I, I want to. I want to buy your jerseys, your clothes, even the shirt you have on now. I want to buy it. <laughs> Yeah, I actually believed you for a second, but then when you started talking about buying us clothes, I'm like, man, this guy's never serious. <laughs> nah. You're a funny I'm guy, just, Bruce. So, all right, let, let me ask you this. What other athletes, oh, we're going to take you up on that offer, by the way. Um, you know, I, I can find out where you live, so we're going to we're gonna show up there, and we're going we're gonna to have bills and stuff ready for you. Just, you know, get me a Giants jersey if you could, maybe Harry Carson or something. I'll take a Bruce Harper jersey as well, but, you know, I'm a Giants fan. I, I need some big blue gear. <laughs> but yeah. let me ask you this: What what other athletes? I know you mentioned Miles Austin and, uh, and the, the guy from I forget his name uh, escapes me from the charges being a part of it as the actual kids that you're mentoring. But what other athletes have been a part of Heroes and Cool Kids? I know you mentioned Keith Elias, but but who else would you say? 
Well, we did have Harry Carson come in and speak to us, you know, and do some stuff. We had an NFL official come in and speak to us. But we had uh, Kyle Kyle uh Kyle Johnson. I used to play for the um for the uh Denver Broncos. Couldn't think for a second. See okay. that that delay again, you know, from all the yeah, heads. Yeah, all those hard heads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had uh we have um a soccer player, um, Tim Harry Flaherty used to play for uh, Dallas. Uh, we had a woman tennis pro, uh, Kyle Copeland. She's not there anymore, but we have Larry Hardesty, who's a radio uh, personality on ESPN Radio. Okay. Uh, you know, we have we have some college students that were you know all American college students and things of that nature. So, you know, it's mostly athletes we have working with us, but we do have some other people, you know, successful business people also working with us. So it's not only sports. Yeah. All right, Bruce. Uh, we want to thank you uh, for taking some time out and coming on to our show, Pure Gold. You're, you know, after talking to you and after hearing from what uh, Dave has been telling me uh, on on and off the air that you're truly a great gentleman and it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on our show, sir. Well, I wish you guys well too. Um, it seems like you guys are, have a, a, you know a lot of great guests. If Keith was on there, you know a lot of great guests, and keep it up. And I, I wish you well. Have me on again. Thank later. you, Bruce. All right. We appreciate it. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Folks, that was the one and only Bruce Harper, former New York Jet, my personal best friend, and uh, he's also the. <laughs> Godfather of JB's daughter Sabrina. So you know Bruce is basically family to us folks. <laughs> you know uh, uh, JB, I know that that was a, that was a special thrill for you being a Jets fan. But you know knowing Bruce personally outside of uh, outside of this, you know the, this interview, he really is a, a hilarious guy. As you saw, <laughs> you know sometimes when when we talk, I'm not sure where he's going or or where he's coming from or you know or if he's insulted me or if he's insulted you know someone else. I'm not really sure, but. You know, we definitely appreciate that. And that interview, folks, was brought to you by Executive Business Machines. Do you have a copier, printer, fax machine, a computer, or even a typewriter that needs repair? I'm sure Bruce has quite a few of those, so Bruce, you need to call these guys. If you do, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. They are located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EBM is a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years now, where they specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all office equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. And if you do call, mention Pure Gold. You get a 20% off your service order, and we get a whole lot of money. JB? DG, I, I got to admit, you're right. That was a great interview. Uh, Bruce Harper is a, a, you know, a gentleman, and he definitely you know, just sucks that I came into watching the Jets right after I, he basically retired because – you know, I did come into the era of Ken O'Brien, Freeman McNeil, Al Toon, uh, Wesley Walker. So getting to know him tonight was really cool. And, you know, being a Jeff fan, it was, you know, doubly cool. So uh, definitely had a good time with that one, DJ. And, uh, well, you know what he said, though. I mean, sorry, uh, maybe, uh, before before we get into the sports update, you know what he said, right, that he wants to come talk at the schools and he's going to buy us our clothes and stuff. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're practically family, so, you know. I'm sure you'll get another opportunity to meet uh, Bruce, you know, alive and in person when we're out there uh, picking our tailor-made clothes that he's paying for. <laughs> Definitely. 
Well, folks, it's 1035. It's time for the sports update with Todd and Todd's Take, brought to you by Rocco's Inner City Games. Rocco's Inner City Games, where your gaming needs are our specialty. We have new and used games at competitive prices, and we also repair all video game systems. Come to Rocco's for all your gaming needs. Call us at 973-883-6022 or visit us at 69 Garden Street in Passaic, New Jersey. When you call, come in. When you call, please mention Pure Cold. I apologize. Folks, it's 1036. It's time for our sports update and Todd's take. TJ, how are you, sir? I want my DG Pure Gold jersey in 2X, please. Can I get that <laughs> autographed by both of you, too, as well? <laughs> no problem. And you know what, Bruce Harper, as a matter of fact, will pay for the jersey and he'll autograph it as well. <laughs> what a great interview that was. Oh, I have chills just thinking about it. Cool. So, in the NBA tonight, a uh, very slow night in the NBA. We have the Magic leading the Heat with about six minutes to play in the fourth. Jazz and Nuggets to tip off any moment now. In the NHL. The Lightning, they bolt past the, uh, they get bolted by the Bruins two to one. The Sabers, they get blown over by the Canes. Wild, they wash the Blue Shirts three to one. You like that one, right? Wash the Blue Shirts, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Leafs ground the Flyers three to two. Blues sing the Blues to the Caps as they fall three to two. Canadians cave the Panthers four to nothing. Big win there. And the Cleveland Oilers are drilled. Or no, I'm sorry. <laughs> the Cleveland Blue Shirts are getting drilled by the Oilers at the close of the second period. Score three to one. Predators and Canucks no score yet with nine minutes to play in the first period. Kings and Coyotes, Sharks and Red Wings to tip off any moment now. JB. All right, TJ. Before we let you go and before we close out the weekend with you, the week, let's uh, get your take. Take it away, sir. So, just to continue on my broken record rant over here, because the NFLPA is going to keep lobbing up grapefruits, I'm going to keep swinging for the fences with them. So the NFLPA and the owners have agreed to a 24-hour extension to the current CBA. Uh, From what I hear, the talk is that the major dispute is about language. Somebody needs to tell me what that even means. I mean, Perhaps the Roonies and the Maras and some other old-school football families should get together with Peyton Manning and Ray Lewis and Tom Brady and hash this whole thing out over some wings and beers. Well, maybe not Brady. I'm sure he wouldn't want to get his hands dirty. But I digress. (laughs) President Obama even weighed in, saying that hopefully they can work things out because he has, quote, better things to do, unquote. But not before he commented on the fact that it was a $9 billion industry. Even when talking football, this guy can't help but to insert the notion of redistribution of wealth. But I digress again. I drove past the Atlantic Health Training Center today over in uh, Florham Park, a.k.a. the New York Jets Green Central in Florham Park, and there was some trepidation in my heart. There was longing in my eyes. Uh, And my heart weighed heavy. 24 hours. In just 24 short hours, this whole house of cards could come crashing down on us. It's a similar feeling that I had in week nine. I was nervous. But I knew in the waning moments we'd find a way to get it done. Lyrical words of Fountains of Wayne, he's got all kinds of time. Sort of. 
Let's get it done here, fellas. I don't have a clever out tonight, so like your time, you can consider yourself taken. JB? <laughs> Thank you, TJ, and uh, thanks again for, you know, your great questions with Bruce Harper. I know that we both love to be Jeff fans. I know that DG didn't even awesome. get half of the jokes that uh, Bruce was lobbing up for us to hit over the fence, but, you know. Look, I just missed one joke, all right? Please, can, can you please get off my back? Have a good night, Todd. Okay, Todd uh, wait, hold on, Todd. Before you ever, before you go, I have a question for you. Were you crying when you were driving by the, you know, foreign park? Because it sounded like you were, you were ready to just start bawling and, and talking about how you, you know, you you were ripping your shirt in half, and I missed the Jets and this and that. I mean, is it really that bad for you? Tissues were in hand. <laughs> oh, Thank I you, was sir, able as to always. suck it back, but tissues were in hand. <laughs> well, well, Todd, as always, uh, it's been a pleasure. Yours, of course. Folks, that was Todd's take, and as I said before, it was brought to you by Rockers Inner City Games. But as we move on with our show, folks, as always, this is the greatest show we've ever done. Every time we do it, it just gets better and better. Now we move on to another wonderful segment we like to call Smallville View. Last week was our first one, uh, sorry, our second one, but our first one with our, you could say, co-host. We have Hans in the building. Hans, how are you doing, sir? How's it going, DG and JB and all the listeners out there in pure gold world? <laughs> it's doing, we're doing good. We're doing good. The listeners, uh, they all just texted me. They told me they're doing good as well. Listen, uh, Hans, let's get to business, sir. I know we spoke about this off the air, but talk to us. What did you think about this week's episode of Smallville? It, it started off biting off another movie again, this time a little bit of hangover. And as it progressed, it it really did get better. The way they they finally were able to write somebody off, even though I still kind of didn't agree with it, Uh, Chloe went out with a bang, even though she's married to Ollie, and we all know she doesn't really exist, and that never really happened. That was more like a whimper, though. If I could cut you off real quick, that... And and I have a talk about that a little bit later, but that whole writing off was more like a whimper, I'd have to say. She just yeah, but they finally blinked they away. Finally got it right. Other than having to kill her off or have her leave by some weird accident that Lex created, they finally did it right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll take that. So, so what else did you think other than Chloe going out with a bang, as you like to say? Uh, the whole ripping off a movie thing, like we said, off the air, maybe next week they could uh, remake RoboCop the first 45 minutes and then cut into some Smallville action at the end. I don't know. That's just my my opinion. They just keep coming up with movie plots that we already seen. I don't need to see it on Smallville. Come up with something original. Now, Hans, I mean, I, I, I am going to lean towards you saying it was not one of the best episodes because they did have a hangover theme to the whole show. But uh, And the reason why I think I'm going to lead towards it not being a good episode because you only have about six or seven more shows left before the series ends, and then you, you do something like that. I just thought that was, um, I don't know, I just thought that was not wise to do a, a theme after a hangover. I mean... I think the only thing that might have came out of it that was good, maybe, was that you, you find out that Chloe and Ollie are married in, in the end. 
I, I agree with you. Um, wasting episodes like like the last two that they've had, when there's only a handful left, like you said, six or seven, they have left, and then that's it. We're, we're never going to see Smallville unless we own the DVDs. Wasting <laughs> these episodes like this without uh, going into the whole dark side and him flying or putting on the costume, it's just a waste of show. That That's all it is to me. Well, all right, let me just say something here. Um, before you start crying about how you know terrible the show was, you know I'd never <laughs> seen The Hangover, so I liked the lighthearted nature of the episode. I hadn't thought about it until Joe said it to me off the air, but it's a good point that they only have a few episodes left, so just to kind of throw it away on this, you know, maybe this would have been better mid-season or the beginning of the season, but I just like the fact that Clark wasn't a depressed, sloppy, you know, you-know-what, because he's always over-the-top, dramatic, melodramatic, and sad, even though he has the love of his life on his arm, and even though his quote-unquote mortal enemy is gone, you know, at least in terms of the story right now, you know, Clark should be happy. Uh, yeah, all right, his dad's dead, that's sad, and his mom is gone. But, you know, he actually has something good going for him. So I like the lighthearted nature of it. And I also like the fact that, you know, we find out through the backstory that Emil actually had a wife who passed away, which is interesting because, like I said, it gives him some type of backstory as opposed to just the nerdy scientist guy who always helps out Clark and the gang, you know? Well, yeah, that's true. Um like you said, it should have been in the beginning or mid-season, right before the break, and then they should have just picked up and grabbed some steam right after their break, their too-long break like they always do. Yeah. And hitting on that point where you said um, that Clark is always moody, that's what the CW does. It banks on moody characters. All their shows, there's always one brooding character, and that's Clark. I mean, I get what you're saying that, he should be happy, which he should be, and he should be discovering more powers and actually yeah, flying quite. and things like that. Yeah, yeah cool. I, I know that the, the Chloe character, you know, I, I forget her, her name in real life, but she only signed on for about five episodes. So uh, writing her off this way is kind of weird to me because, like, you know, she's married to Ollie, but Ollie's going to be on the show still for the last, you know, for the last couple, for the last shows before the series ends. But she won't, unless, which we thought about it off the air, me and DG today, she somehow comes back in the series finale and Lex kills her off. Any thoughts about that? I mean, we hate when they kill off characters because that's all they do to get rid of the characters, but what do you think about Chloe coming back in the series finale? Uh, Me or DG? No, No, you, sir, Hunt. Oh, well, (laughs) if if that's what they're going to do, I love it. I love that idea. Because that would just be Clark over the edge. That's, I mean, they, they're they hyping this up to be like Lex is going to turn into the Lex that we all know and love and this character that we all have grown to know in the comic books and the movies. So really what, unless he's going to steal a piece of land like he does in every Superman movie that he's been in, uh, killing <laughs> Chloe would be the next best thing for him. Yeah, well, I actually thought of it because I was thinking how and it kind of makes no sense in terms of the, sca- the scope of the show because then the show's over and they'll never show it. But I would have liked it if he killed Chloe 
in the last episode only because of what would have happened with Oliver. Because they've already written Oliver as this guy who hates Lex and supposedly killed him already and feels guilty about it, but still kind of happy at the same time because he did what he thought he needed to do. So killing Chloe would have sent Oliver over the edge. and It would have made sense because in the comics he's pretty much a drunk and a womanizer. So, uh, you know, they've written that part of him well, but now that he's quote-unquote married and she went off to be in Star City, which is his, uh, his home world or home, excuse me, his home city, you know, it was uh, it was good to see. And I think that if they did that, it would really, and again, the show's coming to an end, but it would really be great because, A, they kill everybody in Smallville, and, yeah, we complain about it, but I just think that it would be such a, a fitting way to end and a fitting way to get rid of the Chloe character because, like we've discussed, she doesn't exist in the comics, so what do you do? You know, the show just ends, they're married, and that's it? I don't know. Any thoughts on that? I agree with you. That's what they should have done because even in, uh, I believe it was last season, when I forgot who, who came on the show with that ring, they even told Clark that they don't know who Chloe is. So that, that has to, Legionnaire. unless they're going to screw up the con, uh, the continuance of the whole show and not bring that back and just ignore the fact that they said that, um, killing her would be the best option. And what you said, that would have been a perfect episode, to kill her and drive Ollie and Clark mad and just spearhead them into the direction that they're supposed to go into. Especially since yeah. Ali already has that uh, Omega sign on his head. That would just yeah, drive exactly. him that much closer to the dark. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely, sir. I, I totally agree with that. you have any other, uh, any other thoughts on the episode? Because, uh, you know, the notes that I wrote down for the most part were focused on what we've discussed. And I was thinking about it before the show, and I'm like, you know, I never mentioned anything, uh, you know, not much about Clark or Lois. My wife was complaining that Lois seemed so ditzy and she couldn't put the ring on and this and that. You know, she was complaining about it. But, um, you know, it kind of is what it is. That's how Lois is, and that's what she does. And she always overthinks everything. And it's nice to see her and Clark finally moving ahead. And, I mean, I don't know when they're going to get married, if they do get married on the show, but... You know, it, it was a nice way to have them with sort of some sort of internal conflict because she felt she lost the ring and Clark wasn't going to forgive her, and of course he immediately did. Well, the only one more thing I have to complain about is the fact of that course, Chloe talks about her travels and all these other superheroes that she's met, and she doesn't name them by name. A billionaire with high-tech toys we all know is Batman, why couldn't she just come out and say it? Nobody's going to get confused. Nobody's going to think of Christian Bale. They're just going to think of DC and Batman, and he's associated with Superman. That's all. And I think she said Wondrous Woman, and I'm yeah, not sure yeah. if she mentioned anybody else. But that that kind of ticked me off when I was watching it, and I I hated that part because there were so many times they could have put uh, Batman come come in through the show. We all got um, excited when that character Adam came on, and we all thought that was going to be him. But they let us down, and I don't know. That just bugged me this last episode. You know, the the good thing uh, we're only two uh, shows into this new segment called the Smallville View. And uh, DG, uh, it's like two against one. I think me and Hans are on the same wavelength here, and it uh, seems like you're the odd man out. <laughs> yeah, you guys are both miserable, and I'm trying to save face and, you know, save this segment from completely bombing because somebody's got to be the, the beacon of hope. You know, you, you're basically uh, 
Hans is Lex. I'm Clark. And I guess, uh, I don't know, Joe, that makes you... He, I, I don't know what that makes Zod. you. Who, who would that be? Uh, you'd be Tess, maybe. Zod. I don't know. He'd be Zod. <laughs> he would have yeah. to be Zod or Bizarro. He'd be Zod or Doomsday. <laughs> yeah, that definitely. You guys are, are just bringing the misery and the, and the negativity. Hans, before we let you go, I'd like to actually shift into the Superman movie. Um, the word came down, you know, my sources. Diane Lane actually called me herself and told me, I was the first one to break the story on uh, sportsradius.com, that Diane Lane has officially been cast as Martha Kent in the new Superman movie. I'd actually like both of your thoughts on that, but Hans, you go first. I love her for for her being cast as Martha Kent. I think she's an incredible actress. She could play any role with ease, and her um, her name, the big name that she is, coming yeah. onto this movie. They they seem to be loading up on talent with all the rumors coming out. Um, I don't know if you've mentioned this, but Kevin Costner is rumored to be uh, either Perry White or. Um, Jonathan Kent, which is another great actor, and then Viggo Mortensen is in talks to be Zod, so they're coming up with nothing short of but talented actors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's interesting because, you know, like you said, Diane Lane is a good actress, and it sounds like you're in love with her, by the way, because you're over here talking about how great she is and how wonderful she because is and she all is. that stuff. She's a great and- actress. <laughs> <laughs> and you love her. And Kevin Costner is, you know, other than Waterworld and a couple other postman, some crappy movies he made, you know, he, he's definitely a, a well-known, respected Hollywood actor. And uh, I think he could pull off either role well, but I just think he'd be better Jonathan because he's not, you know, that much older, maybe like 10 years older than, than Diane. But, you know, he's still young enough to be a young Superman's father, just like in Smallville, basically. Like, they're taking their I hit think you're from saying Smallville. that because he reminds you of... Uh... John Schneider from Smallville. <laughs> well, he does, but the idea of him being super, uh, Superman's dad at a younger age is good. Because I read that uh, in the last movie, Superman Returns, apparently the woman who played Martha Kent was like 80 years old or something like that. I mean, I, I didn't even yeah. know she was that old. Yeah, they they picked somebody quite old to play that part, which, uh, like you said, p- casting young parents like they did in Smallville, they're doing with... Uh, this new Superman, uh, which leads us to believe that they're going to have some sort of connection to Smallville and the farm, and they're going to play a big part because I don't think they would give Diane Lane just a five-minute scene. Uh, So hopefully that whole Smallville, Martha Kent, Jonathan Kent, they all play a bigger role in the movie. Yeah. Definitely, sir. We, uh, you know, as always, we appreciate it. Joe is left speechless, so, you know, we're not going to go to him. But, you know, we definitely thank you for your, your time and, you know, all the busy things that you have going on in, in your life, like watching reruns of Smallville Season 1. So we appreciate you taking some time out and talking to us here and, you know, giving us your thoughts as always. And, you know, next Thursday, of course, you better be ready to bring it, sir. There's a new episode tomorrow. we got to watch that, and we're going to break it apart. Sir, that's always a pleasure. to bring it. Thank you, thank you. Take care, sir. Have a good night. And, uh, folks, that was uh, Smallville View with our special co-host, Hans. Yes, Hans, like Hansel and Gretel. That's right. He's been made fun of like that for many years uh, by myself and Joe and, you know, all the other kids in the the schoolyard who picked on him. But we thank him, of course, for all of his uh, wonderful, you know, opinions and thoughts and stuff. And, J.B., 
I believe that you have a couple of nuggets there, so can you break it down? Yes, sir. I got two uh, nuggets we could talk about, and then I'll turn it over to you. But one sport, one non-sports. This past Sunday, my birthday was also the Oscars. And um, I, I don't know if it's just me that, you know, I'm a big sports fan and just don't like award shows, but I think the Oscars, to be honest with you, DG, is the most boring uh, boring award show in all of award shows because, you know, you have these categories that are like, what did they just say? Except for, like, the main ones that they say for the end, which is way past my bedtime. I have no no patience, no time to, you know, stay up and watch three hours of garbage, in my opinion. I think the the coolest <laughs> thing is, I think the coolest thing is they when they interview the people on the red carpet, and the you know they the next day they basically rate what these people were wearing and they'll never wear again. So, I thought the best part of the night, being a wrestling fan, obviously was when Melissa Leo won the Oscar for best supporting actress and then dropped the f bomb. That was definitely not PG, DG. <laughs> no sir, no, it was not. I read about it, and it was funny because her reaction to it was such utter shock, like she can't believe that she said it, but obviously she's got a potty mouth, so, you know, it is what it is, but she won the best, well, the best actress or best supporting actress for the fighter, and then Christian Bale, who has an amazingly thick Welsh accent, um, you know, he went up there and he he made a comment about it, he won for best supporting actor for the same movie. Um, JB, I have a question for you in regards to the Oscars. Did you watch the movie Inception? I'm, I don't even remember if we talked about this. I did go to the movies and watch Inception, yes. Okay. Any thoughts on the fact that they won, like, eight Academy Awards and they're all for, the, like, the stupidest categories, like best score and best, you know, grip or best toilet bowl on the set? Um, you know, they pretty much got hosed for all the main categories. So give us your thoughts on that. They they pretty much cleaned up at the Oscars, but they won for all of the low-end ones that nobody really gives a crap about. Well, that goes to show you, like, my point. Uh, I guess I, you proved my point is that they got these categories that, like, you have no idea what they, they're talking about. Like, you know, Best Supporting Actress in a non-foreign film that was made in the country of, like, Italy or something like that. Like, I, I don't know where these <laughs> categories come from. And, you know, for Inception to win the non-big categories, like Best, you know, you know Best Picture or Best Special Effects or, you know, stuff like that, it just goes to show you that the, I don't know, the Oscars to me just doesn't do it for me. And for Inception to win those ones that you were mentioning, those ones that I came in, like, re- recall off the top of my head, it just uh, it just furthers my point that the Oscars are just a waste of time for me. Yeah, you know, and I'm actually going through the list right now so that we can, you know, at least mention it. They won for the best visual effects, which, yeah, that definitely, they, they should have won for that. Um, they won for... What else here? Um, I'm thinking best costume design. You know, they won for best sound editing, best sound mixing. Who gives a crap about sound editing and sound mixing? You know, they win for these these horrible things that nobody really cares about. They actually won for best foreign language film, uh, best animated movie. What else? Uh, best uh, original screenplay by, uh, you know, conservative, liberal, uh, you know, Puerto Rican, Italian person. Uh, what else did they win? They won best cinematography. Yeah, okay, yep. whatever. I mean, who? I mean, who cares about any of those awards? And it's it's annoying that you know. And one of our fans actually wrote to me like three weeks ago and mentioned that uh, you know Christopher Nolan got hosed, but that was even before the Oscars. And you know they were right. You know our, our listener from from Chi Town, 
They were right because Christopher Nolan and Inception, they got the absolute, you know, short end of the stick. They should have just won for best movie that didn't win any major awards, you know, just, just throw another couple of awards in there for the for the cast of Inception. Sorry, JBH, have to go on a rant. Uh, what's your other nugget, sir? My other nugget is, um, you know, we've uh, it's it's been happening forever, and I, I just I'm, I'm getting really tired of it. And we talk about it, we've talked about it. It's just that the New York Mets just keep lying to us. I mean, first you hear the Mets are not in financial trouble. Then you then you hear they are in financial trouble. Then you don't. Then they are. Then they're not. Then they are. And then all of a sudden you hear that they borrowed $25 million from Major League Baseball. And then you also hear that they might not be able to pay their employees. I mean, it, it doesn't get any worse as a Mets fan. Not only are you in the toughest division, basically for, you know, basically, you know, the best rotation ever with the Phillies. But the off-the-field yeah. stuff is really, really annoying, and it, 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 it's awful being a Mets fan these days, knowing that your product on the field is bad, but the stuff that's going, you know, off the field is, is worse, which is hard to believe. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, JB. It's interesting you said that because, I kid you not, we spoke on the phone, you know, we talked uh, around 5-ish, and then about 20 minutes later, as I'm almost home, I had the exact same thought. I'm listening to Mike Francesa. I literally had the exact same thought. Like, man, you know, Mike was wrong about this, and everybody was right, unfortunately, because they were all saying how the Mets done this, and the Mets have, don't have money, and they're going to go bankrupt. And it seems like they're going that route. They told us they were okay. The, the You know, the Wolpons told us that it wasn't going to affect anything that they did, any decisions that they made, and it's a bunch of crap, and they lied. And it really upsets you as a fan because, you know, we, we've spent – a harder money on this team over the years. You know, I know you pretty much boycotted going to the stadium in recent years, but, you know, you spent money on them. I spent money on them. We got the jerseys. We got the stuff. You know, we we are lifelong Mets fans suffering. You know, our fathers are Mets fans. Like, we, we've gotten to the point where, I mean, enough is enough. The Wilpons, unfortunately, need to sell this team. They need to get rid of it. I was reading in the record today the same thing, how they're thinking the Mets are going to get rid of uh, Jose Reyes for Marco Scudero for the, the – the Red Sox, because the Sox are able to pay Reyes next year, the Mets aren't going to be able to pay him anything. And, you know, David Wright seems pretty upset about the whole prospect of losing his friend. You know, he's grown up his entire career with 10 years in the big, you know, in, in his career, including the minors. But, J.B., it's frustrating because what the hell's going on with, with, with the, with the uh, flushing, you know, losers? They need to get on the ball. The Wolfpons need to sell. Sell 50%, 60%, Whatever you got to sell. But we deserve a winner. We don't deserve this crap. We don't deserve that you, you, you know, screwed up with Madoff, and now you're getting sued for a billion dollars in the gross national product of, you know, Zimbabwe. Get off your butts. Sell it, Wilpons. Get out. Get out. Baby? <laughs> you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of, of being lied to. I think that's the bottom line that – We've been lied to as fans, and we don't deserve it being, you know, especially in New York where, you know, you should be able to put on a winning product every year because you got the revenue. Supposedly the the Mets now owe money. Again, it's just one big mess on and off the field. And, um, you know, what's funny, DG? Spring training only started a couple of games ago, and I'm already tired of the baseball season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's depressing, you know. If it wasn't for the fact that it's so late, I, I, you know, I would go nuts, and I was going to do my Mad Dog impersonation, but it's a little too late for me to start screaming like a lunatic. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, I don't give a crap about this baseball season, and I hate it because baseball is my favorite sport. 
football will never come close. Basketball will never come close. Hockey, forget about it. You know, hockey can go to Canada for all I care. But the fact is that, you know, I have nothing to look forward to this year. Okay, maybe the Mets will surprise us. Who knows? It's always possible because you don't know with the injuries and stuff. But, you know, I was I was reading the paper, and they were talking about the Card- the Cardinals are worse off than the Mets because uh, Wainwright is out for the year. And, you know, Pujols isn't going to come back, and he's probably going to go to the Cubs and this and that and all these issues that they're having. But the fact is the Mets have no money for anything, JB. And I don't know what's going on, but you know what? Hopefully the Mets will surprise us. They'll give us a little bit of enjoyment because right now I cannot wait till August when football starts again. Because I, you know, I mean, I'm interested in the Knicks, yes, but the Knicks aren't going nowhere this year. And I just want to see if my Giants can, you know, get back to the big dance next year. But moving on, folks, I have one WWE note, and I wanted to mention this to you, JB. Um, Bullet Bob Armstrong was announced as the newest inductee, inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame. If you didn't hear it, folks because they did it on WWE.com. That's pretty crappy, but congrats to him on getting in. His whole family has been involved in the wrestling business. His son, Scott, has been a WWE referee, and, of course, his most famous his most famous uh, son is a former D-Generation X member, one half of one of the best tag teams of their time, the New Age Outlaws. Oh, you didn't know. You better call somebody. That's right. The Road Dog Jesse James. You know, and again, congrats to, to Bullet Bob Armstrong, you know, legendary patriarch of this family. But, JB, um, how do you announce that a guy makes it into your Hall of Fame on the, on your website? Well, what is that? They didn't have enough time on Raw. They couldn't have written out one of their stupid segments and, and thrown that in there. I mean, seriously, I, I think that's a little disrespectful, JB. What about you? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I even asked you off the air. I said, did I miss something on Raw today? announced the next Hall of Famer, and you said, nope, they did it on the website. And that's when I said, that's what they should have announced Coco Beware on the website, where they shouldn't have put it on TV. <laughs> you because, actually didn't you know, say that, but, but, <laughs> but that's a good point, sir. Uh, you know, we definitely should have done that. But, uh, you know, my yeah. last nugget for the day, but before we close out the evening, folks, uh, you know, BYU, Brigham Young University, the man who, you know, allegedly famous with the whole – the, the Mormon Church, and uh, he didn't found it per se, but he's obviously famous in uh, Salt Lake City in Utah. Um, the, they were number one seed. They were number one seed. They, uh, their best player, six foot nine, two hundred and thirty-five pound, game-changing junior Brandon Davies, was got the boot off of his team because he had sex with his girlfriend. Um, this is a violation of the school's code of conduct, their honor code that states that all students must remain chaste and virtuous. Not the bank chase, but chased. Um, you know, and, and basically, you know, what I have to say about this is that being at the Mormon University, you know, they don't tolerate this type of behavior. And obviously, uh, I wouldn't condone as a minister, you know, sex before marriage. It's wrong. And, uh, you know, there's the, the, in, in, you know, our beliefs and the Christian beliefs. But, uh, you know, this is a, a Mormon church and I, or a Mormon university. I think it's interesting because they were talking about you know, this morning, uh, Boomer and Carton were, were discussing how their code of conduct includes things like, uh, you know, you can't have caffeine and you can't drink tea and you can't do, like, just weird stuff. And then, of course, the whole sex thing and you have to go to church a certain amount of times and this and that. And, I mean, you're going to, to BYU, so you know it's a Mormon school and you have to abide by the rules. But what do you think about that, JB? Because I looked at I looked at an article on, I think it was sportsnews.com, and all the fans that commented were overwhelmingly in support of uh, BYU, and I found it to be kind of surprising. But well, what do you think about that, sir? Well, I think when, you know, BYU has a reputation of having these strict rules, and I think that, you know, they have to set the example. Even if 
they're highly ranked this year in the NCAA. Uh, this this gentleman needs to be set as an example because if you let this guy get away with it, then you might as well throw all the rules, you know, the entire rule book out the window in BYU. So um, I could definitely see them kicking him off the team, and I think it was the right thing to do too. Um, the the other things that you mentioned, and I, I heard about this morning too, about the no caffeine, no coffee. I I think that's a little weird, to be honest with you. But definitely, yeah. uh, you know, no sex before marriage is definitely the way to go. And um, I, I applaud BYU for as good as this player was and for as good as BYU was going to be this year in the uh, March Madness tournament. It's a good thing that they set him as the example and they did kick him off the team. I, I, I'm definitely with BYU on this one. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, and uh, Jose, our media director, just, uh, you know, told me um, that he agrees with the school as well. I guess I find it interesting because, you know, we live in such a uh, liberal, you know, loose moral society that I didn't think that so many people would be on the side of the school in this case. I mean, if it was a local school, they probably would have let the guy in. They probably would have let him, you know, cheat and do all the kinds of things and then still, you know, make it onto the team. But, uh, you know, don't drink coffee. I just thought it was interesting because, you know, they were at, they were poised. Maybe they weren't going to win the tournament. They probably weren't, but they had such a high positioning, and now they've pretty much gonna, they're pretty much going to drop to four because his absence led the team to getting blown out at home by New Mexico. And, it, you know, in essence, it finished the Cougars as a, as a number one seed. I just find it interesting that so many people, you know, are so such sticklers for the rules, you know. And uh, I'm not sure how it came out, but, you know, Brandon Davies, I'm sure he'll bounce back on his feet. But, you know, being off the team is definitely tough for him. And, like you guys said, if if you go to that school, you got to know that the rules are the rules, and they kick you in the sack if you don't do the job, if you don't do what you got to do. But folks, on that nugget, you know, last week we ended up uh, talking about uh, abortion, and then we started we talked about uh, you know the unfortunate passing of uh, you know one of Joe's uh, friends, family members, and now we're talking about you know sex before marriage getting kicked out of schools. I tell you, folks, this show you never know what you are going to hear. And that, folks, effectively ends our evening tonight for this Thursday night. Folks, next Tuesday, we will have with us Doug Mortman. He is co-host of Busted Open on SiriusXM. Uh, he'll be joining us at 10 p.m. for a special interview. Sirius, uh, you know, as you all know, cars and whatnot, satellite, it's, it's, it's good stuff. You can hear it on JetBlue if you don't actually have a, a subscription to it. But, um, you know, Doug is going to be joining us, and, and their show focuses on wrestling and they have Rebby Sky, who is involved in uh, Lucha Libre USA, Aichiwawa, uh, and uh, she also does, uh, you know, co-hosting for that, and she's training to be a wrestler, and apparently dating Matt Hardy as well. And, uh, you know, they also have some other hosts on there, like uh, Dave LaGreca, who his brother Don LaGreca works for ESPN, and Dave himself used to work for WFN. But, uh, JB, do you have any final thoughts before we close out the show, sir? Well, as always, DG, it's been a great week of pure gold. I just want to obviously... Mentioned that we had Obviously. forgiven on, you know, forgive. We had forgiven on Tuesday, and tonight we had Mr. Bruce Harper. So as always, DG, it's been a great week. Um, the one thing I just want to also mention before, as we sidetrack uh, that nugget, I think that what they're trying to do with the Hall of Fame, by the way, is that they're trying to put the crappiest guys ever in the class with Shawn Michaels, <laughs> so that Shawn Michaels will then be seen as the greatest wrestler of all time. So just had to throw it out there. Well, I guess that's always possible. I mean, next thing you know, they're going to put uh, Jimmy Corderas in the Hall of Fame also, former WWE referee, maybe Tim White. Um, I just thought it was interesting because they took about – this is the first time I can ever remember since they started mentioning the WWE Hall of Fame on TV. Um, 
the fact that the, the the lead member of the class was mentioned, and then like, you know, what seemed like six months go by, and then they go and mention the other couple of guys afterwards, and it's just odd, you know. Hacksaw gets thrown out there last week, and then this week, Bullet Bob Armstrong gets mentioned on uh, www.com. Next thing you know, uh, next week, the next Hall of Fame inductee is going to be mentioned during NXT, and that's going to be one of the questions for the challenges, like, who is the next member of the class of 2011 Hall of Fame? And it's probably going to end up being Matt Stryker, because I don't know how much, how this... And again, no offense to Hacksaw, no offense to uh, Bullet Bob, but... Man, this class is weird. The way they're doing this is weird, and, you know, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Folks, a special thanks to the one and only, my best friend and the godfather of uh, Joe's niece and his daughter, uh, Mr. Bruce Harper, for joining us this evening. Uh, I've just been reminded by my media producer, by my director, by my agent, by my manager, that we need to mention the ads for this evening, folks. you got to forgive me. You know, having Bruce on the air was just uh, such a thrill, and you know him offering to to do what he did, and it just my head is blown up, folks. That that interview, that wonderful interview by Bruce, was once again brought to you by Executive Business Machines. Do you have a copier, printer, fax machine, a computer, or even a typewriter that needs repair? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, if you do as well, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400, located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EBM is a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years where they specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all office equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. And if you mention Pure Gold, you will get 20% off your service order. JB? Our other sponsor for tonight's Pure Gold episode was brought to you by Rocco's Inner City Games. Rocco's Inner City Games, where your gaming needs are our specialty. We have new and used games at competitive prices, and we also repair all video game systems. Come to Rocco's for all your gaming needs. Call us at 973-883-6022 or visit us at 90, oh, 96, geez, 69 Garden Street in Passaic, New Jersey. <laughs> when you call or come in, please mention Pure Gold. DG yes, and the folks. rest of the audience, have a good weekend. <laughs> yes, folks, please mention Pure Gold, and make sure you go to 69 Garden Street in Passaic and not 96 Garden Street because that may be somebody's yeah. house. And they might yep. be pissed if you start talking about pure gold. Folks, yep. our contact information for one last time before we close out the show, the most important pieces of info are call in line whenever you'd like to talk to JB or myself and whenever you'd like to throw in your own personal rants and opinions. And if not, send us money through our PayPal account. You can call 714-364-4721. And our email address, folks, puregoldpg at yahoo.com. Again, folks, special thanks to our crew here at Pure Gold. I'd like to thank Todd for our sports update, to Fitz, our producer, Kelly, our board op, and, of course, the one and only, the incomparable Jose, our media director. Remember to tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold, reminding you to always keep it P-G. Good night, everyone.